Welcome to episode 125 of the Black in Fashion podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us today. I really hope that you guys have gotten caught up. You know, we are still at the beginning of season four. This is our four. We are four years in, guys. Can you believe it? Still like a, like a thing. Like, Shout it's still a shocker. Before yeah. podcasts were popular. <laughs> They're right. popular as hell now, so I thank you all to everyone who listens, like on Apple, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. We appreciate you listeners. So just want to make sure you guys are sending in your black notes. We definitely want to be able to give you guys some advice. I want to know what your struggles are in fashion, what you're going through in business overall, so that way we can provide insight and our guests can actually give insight as well. And don't forget about the I Am BNF campaign. Definitely put up your videos. Let us know what being black in fashion means to you. We'd love to feature you and post you. You are also welcome to send them directly to us, and then we'll put them on our page. So today, I am joined by Jerry. Hey. He is a fashion designer, but I know everybody that's tuning in from YouTube can see that, honey, from the visuals. But if you cannot, and you are listening from Apple or from Spotify, honey, Jerry, Jerry is dressed to the nines right now. It ain't nothing but print and leather and color, and I'm going to paint the whole picture for you. He came in. He came in with the bucket hat, honey, with the jacket. Come on. come. Is it a jumpsuit? So this is a jumpsuit. It's a jumpsuit, and you got the jacket. Come on. I'm here for it. New York is already giving this weather. Are you from here? Yeah. Born and raised in New York. That's what's up. Where you from? I'm from Chicago. But I've been here almost nine years, though. Y'all hardworking people. We crazy, too. We come here. I totally understand your your mentality when it comes to wanting more and Always. doing more because I've noticed that with a lot of people from Chicago. That we just Yeah, y'all go, just yeah, go. We definitely so don't anybody go that comes here to New York, you fit right into it. So I know. I, I just want to say thank you for starters with this opportunity. Of, Absolutely. You know, you know that's me. That's the, 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 the Black and Fashion Podcast, LC Apparel Consultant. You know, I just, I try to, you know, it's all about that black dollar, it, keep it circulating. It's like, that's my, yeah, that's my goal. I find that to be dope because you came from Chicago to implant yourself in New York City. Mm-hmm. And there's New Yorkers here that have the same skill and vernacular as you mm-hmm. that didn't think about this or probably did think about it and are looking at you now and saying, dang, I, I should have just did. did it. Yeah, I should just so, have. That's because yeah. a lot of people focus too much on wanting to be a designer, whereas to me, true at heart, I'm an educator. Can I design? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I Could I be a designer? Yeah, but every time I hear that turn, I'm just like, I'm more of a teacher than I am anything else. Could I design? Yeah, but I want to teach. That's just what it is. I think I it's instilled in me. I, so I, understand I like to start every episode with a little icebreaker because I like to understand what people's uh, style level is. So my <laughs> icebreaker is called this or that. So you just tell me which you prefer or with the other. I think I might know the answers to some of yours. That's why I'm going to throw them out there. All right, all right, all right. Give Motorcycle or trench? Motorcycle or trench? Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. I know. Only one? You can only choose one? I'm going to take the trench. Okay. Uh, bucket hat or a fedora? I'm going to take the bucket hat. Of course, I know. On. I knew that already. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take the bucket hat. V-neck or crew neck? It depends on the day, but I'm going to say a V-neck. Okay. Nike or Adidas? I mean, I guess I'll say Nike because I got on some Nikes right now, but... Okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> I got a funny one. <laughs> Basketball shorts or hoochie daddy shorts? Hoochie daddy shorts. shorts. <laughs> Come on now. 
legs got to be out. I'm already knowing. I'm already. Buddy, buddy, buddy. Love it. And last one. All right, all right. And it's a it's more of a jewelry base. Silver or gold. I mean, I would take both, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say gold. Yeah, I'm a gold. I'm gonna say, I got gold on right now. And hey, yeah, so. it's a moon, baby. Yeah, so, you know. right. So I want to just start out by learning a little bit more about you, your journey. I know you're from Brooklyn, but tell us a little bit about you know how you grew up. Um, how, you know when the fashion bug pretty much hit you, and you just pretty much knew, and uh, just a little bit about your background and um you know your your journey so far. All right, cool. So of course, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my family is a melting pot of different cultures. Uh, my dad's side is from Trinidad. My mom's side is from Panama and Honduras. So there's like this really great twang of West Indian roots mixed with um, Spanish, Hispanic, Latin mix, and Garifuna culture as well. Nice. So I grew up in a space of just knowing a lot about being black. And that for me was so important, I guess. Not even I guess, it was important to me and it still is today. Um, I didn't really get into fashion until like late high school, to be honest with you. I think that my style was very preppy in the beginning. Did you go, you didn't go to fashion industries? I, I feel like not. everybody in the fashion here went to that school. Right? I did not. Okay. I am one of the few that did not go to school for fashion and design. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in art, but my school at the time they could not provide that level of education just yet mm -hmm. so I, I was dating someone at the time that was heavily influenced in fashion and it inspired me to go so much further because I saw their drive and their energy in it they went to school for it and all of that but after after like getting into my 20s and I was working at Bank of America and working at Levi's and working at Equinox all at once. Damn. <laughs> yeah, you have to be a hustler here in New York. I was only 19 going on 20 doing all three jobs. Mm -hmm. And I did that solely because I wanted to make sure I had money in my pocket. I wanted to know that I could make moves on my own, even at 19. What do I know about getting my own place? But I am on place you know, 19. See, but listen, I didn't I didn't do it yet. I mm -hmm. stayed with my mom still because I did not trust what the universe was in yeah, store was for bitch. yet. I can say yeah. that. And it, well, I was in Chicago as a bitch. Yeah, I can so know it was a bitch here. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine, you know. So I was I was caking for a minute and while I was working at Bank of America, I was always sketching on the receipts. Mm -hmm. So That's so dope. Yeah, I was sketching <laughs> like bags and stuff on the receipts and a colleague of mine at the time, I will never forget her name, her name is Elaine, she said to me, I think that you should have an entire line. Wasn't Elaine the 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 art I mean the Arthur? The no, 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 oh, no. Okay, no, I was no, like No, no, she... no. No, no. <laughs> she um <laughs> But you know what? Shout out to her. We're gonna speak on to existence because yeah. I wanna be her too. <laughs> right. So Elaine was like, You should do more. And with her telling me that I literally walked three blocks up into the fashion district because I was working at Bank of America on 33rd and 7th. Okay. Right there. Yeah, like so I was watching women come in with their Prada bags, their Gucci bags, um, their Hermes bags. Um, just the shoe game was impeccable. Even a men's tailored suit just coming in. It was so dope to me to watch that and then also see the street side of everything as well. Like people mixing 
high end with low end mm. and making it their own thing. So I said to myself, you know what? Go buy your own sewing machine. Um, go buy a mannequin. Get started. That's when you was 19? I was 19, going okay. on 20 at okay. the time. So now I'm 20, going on 21, I'll say, and I'm not working nowhere. Mm-hmm. I quit both Levi's and Equinox. Nice. And I got let go from Bank of America. I wasn't stealing money. <laughs> I wasn't stealing money. <laughs> I was let go though, and you know I I hope that one day I could look back at that and say yo my well I I can look back at that now and say yo I really came so so far. Mm-hmm. I, and it's only been like two years. Yeah. So oh, it's very right. short time. Oh, you that got a long way to go. Years. Exactly. So at that point, at twenty twenty one, I tried to get into FIT. And it didn't work in my favor. It did not work in my favor. And I was okay with that because I loved Google. Mm -hmm. And with Google, I looked up the syllabus Mm -hmm. for FIT as a fashion designer. So I bought some of the books. Mm -hmm. The best book that I could have ever rewarded myself was Pattern Maker for Fashion Design, that fourth edition, with the DVD. Helen Armstrong? Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's exactly the book they teach. I went to school, of course, in Chicago. I went to Columbia mm -hmm. College, Chicago, for fashion design. That book, it has, and I got the first edition because I got my book in 2008, honey. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's the same book. I'm pretty sure that fourth edition is way better than what I got, but it is a lifesaver. And that's mm-hmm. that's the book I used to teach with, too. You see? I teach with that book. Exactly. So with that book, it really taught me an understanding of what pattern making was because I just understood draping without even knowing what draping was. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I'm going to create a collection out of nowhere. And I was at one of my cousin's home. I created the collection in her home. She hey. said, come through. I believe in you. This is your talent. Let's shoot for it. I don't know how the pieces just worked out like that, but it was just smooth sailing. And this was like 2011. Okay. This was 2011, and I put on my first fashion show by myself. In 2011? Yeah. That was my first. That was 10 years ago. Exactly. Oh, wow. I've been doing this for a minute. Oh, now? Yeah. Hey, now? I've been doing this for so a minute. So, the fashion show that you put on, mm-hmm. did you do your first one by yourself or did you collaborate like by with myself. other You did it by yourself. I rented the hall by myself. I booked the models by myself. I did the fittings by myself. Wow. I did all the sewing by myself. Um, I did everything. I didn't know what I needed to do as far as getting help or assistance. Mm -hmm. So I just did it on my own. A lot of it I learned from watching YouTube videos, watching old fashioned shows like Jean Jean Franco Ferrer and Lanvin and um, Balenciaga, like old brands like that when they were hitting at that point to me. Mm -hmm. You know they were in twenty especially in twenty eleven, twenty twelve. That's like the era like Gucci Tom for that ball main collection that came out in twenty thirteen was everything. That's when Olivier first started, like Mm -hmm. at Balmont. So like And before Tom Ford left Gucci, Gucci was the shit and that was like twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Right. And then you see how Lanvin was like eating everybody up with like high end minimalistic work. Mm -hmm. But it was just so so beautiful mm-hmm. it it filled me up in such a profound way that it made me want to create even more gotcha what would you say your design aesthetic is like if you had to describe it in three words like three adjectives oh that's a good one so three ways to describe my brand um it is from a cultural perspective culture um it is oh 
you got me. Because you know I mean, what? You I know, have it on my wall at home. I know you like, do. You Those know. are the things that I feel like every designer needs to be able to spit out, though. Yeah, yeah, When yeah. someone asks you what your brand is, I spit it out, boom, color, classic, confidence. Yeah. That's it. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. It's really about... It's about the culture, it's about print, and it's about wearability. So that versatility, honestly. Boom. Functionality, culture, mm-hmm. and comfort. Yeah, that's really it. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Get to so, the point. I have a segment. It's called, <laughs> it's a success or it's a disaster. Okay. So I want you to tell me a story. Like, tell me about a time, you know, with, with on your journey or whatever, where something went in your business, went completely to, it went to shit. Like, it was like, this is fucked up. But you learned something from that experience that made you do things differently moving forward. Like it was more like it was fucked up, but it was a learning experience. Oh, I got a couple of those. So how much time we got? We got we got time. Go. All right, we got time. So the first one was um, me realizing that I needed to humble myself a lot because I really thought I thought then that I was the cat's meow. Mm-hmm. I think differently of myself now, <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. But I thought I was the cat's meow then. Okay, so you and um, you said you was big headed. Yeah, what it was. Okay. I, it okay. was very egotistical because I was looking at my work compared to everybody else's work in the field at the time, and I was just like, I'm better than you. I'm this. I'm that. Da 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 da. And even when I was walking into certain fashion shows, doing shows with multiple people mm-hmm. that are like huge on social media now, it really put me in a, a headspace of like how are they getting through but I'm not mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't to negate their talent at all I believed in their talent because I rooted for them so hard and mm-hmm. I still root for these people so hard to this day I just was trying to figure out what's not clicking for me so I'm gonna have you back up to just one which you just said you said they are getting through Define getting through. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, as far as, like, you feel like they were getting... That what? notoriety, that publicity. From celebrities? Celebrity clientele, okay. um, TV work, mm-hmm. all of those different publications. And I was saying to myself, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the same cousin that started me to get my brand going, she was like, why don't you start educating as well? That's another way for you to break Absolutely. through. Absolutely. So I became a Department of Education vendor, which allowed me to teach fashion and design nice. to children uh, from grades 6 through 12. Nice. I love that. Thank you. How you do that? Look at me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> like, we can talk, oh, talk off. We can definitely talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. guess I literally just today, I am, um, I just found out before I came over here, like the everything went through. I am teaching at LaGuardia College now. I'm teaching wow. six-week accelerated courses in fashion business. My first class starts November 15th. But look at that. Look at Today. Look at literally how just working. found out today. Look I was at how like, holy working. shit. Okay. So that, yeah. And I ain't got no teacher certification and like that, but I have a bachelor's and I have a master's. But and I was gonna tell you, FIT, I used to try to teach there. Like I tried mm-hmm. so many times they would never hire me. I applied for jobs at Parsons, would never get hired. And that's mm-hmm. why I started the podcast because I was like, Ain't nobody gonna stop me from teaching. This yeah. is my way of teaching. And then LCA Apparel also actually came after the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I started this first. Because I saw when you started LCA Apparel. Yeah, this and was, I was first. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is this is serious work. Like, you're branding ridiculously. Oh, like, your face is out there. No, you're not trying. You're doing it. So we're going to switch that. How you correct me, I'm going to correct you. We're in this together at this point. It's the truth. I, I appreciate truth. that. Yeah. You know, so with me teaching um, with... One of the actually my alma mater high school. I went back to my high school to teach the program. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, 
I was only there for one year though. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about it was they didn't pay me all my money. And this is DOE? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was with that particular school though, at Actually. that particular time, in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. So it was nobody's fault, mm-hmm. really. It was just how the system worked. Mm-hmm. And I became a part of a system that was failing at the same time. My boyfriend works for DOE. Yeah. Oh, so he yeah. might, he, we could have a better PSL. conversation with this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, it's it's hard, mm-hmm. but for me, I did not allow that to stop me. I still went on to bring my program to at least 70 different schools at that time, and not mean. one of them got back to me. Really? I went, I went to at least 50 different schools before I had to go and take an actual job mm-hmm. working in retail again, and it was dreadful. Would you say that it's because they don't want the fashion programs in the school like they didn't have it at all like is that what the disconnect was or you just feel like it was more of a what they call is a is political about the way they can do things or was it really like they just didn't have the program to support it it's a bit of both they either did not have the money for it or it was a politicking game and with me being the age that i was at the time i'm only 21 Mm -hmm. you know but I'm, if I was to hire somebody now that was 21, I'm mm-hmm. going to make sure that they're good at what they do. That's Absolutely. it. I don't care about the age or, or, or... And they got the kids. I mean, not the kids. With the kids. They, they got have the, the children. Coming right out of money. college and teaching, Teach for America. Because yeah. them people who be in them classes now, they be 21, 22. Yeah, they first are. time teaching. They put yes. them right in classrooms yes. all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah. So for me, it, it was just another... I just felt plummeted and I didn't have the support that I I truly needed at that time. Mm -hmm. So I ended up working at a fast fashion retailer that I'm not going to say I was there for nine months. I did not like it there because it was just, they were cruel when it came to pay and when it came to employment. Was it Pookie and Sebastian? No. Okay. Um, Look at me. I'm like, I'll throw that ass under the bus in a minute. (laughs) No. But after that, (laughs) um, a friend of mine that worked at that company while I was there, he went over to H&M and he was like, well, I'm going to bring you with me. And that was probably one of my best experiences ever H&M? in fast fashion. That's yes. And I was there for two years and two weeks. Two years and two weeks. <laughs> okay. I wanted to be promoted to be whatever I wanted to be and it wasn't happening. And I mm-hmm. said to myself, something has got to give. I even did fashion shows in the midst of me working at Bank of America. And I was still doing, I mean, not Bank of America, at H&M. Mm-hmm. But I was still pushing women's wear. I was trying to get my, my groove into things and all that. I was spending money on photo shoots. I was spending money on models. I was spending money on, I was, I, to this day, when I think about it, I have compensated everybody that mm-hmm. I've worked for. I mean, that has worked for me. I have compensated them. Nobody can ever walk up to me and say, you never paid me. Right. Nobody. And that's a good business model yeah. to have, though, because that ain't that you ain't never going to get that stigma of this person don't pay people. Yeah. They don't pay them on time and stuff like that. Exactly. So that's a very good, I, yeah. good thing to have Even if it's reputation. a payment plan or something, I'm paying you mm-hmm. before you get to the shoot. Mm-hmm. Like that, up. that has to happen for me. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is not in that same mentality of they how they trying to do that trade for print shit still. Like, I mean, I granted I did that when I first started out too, but nowadays, like, you can't even. First of all, you can't even talk to me unless you spend like two fifty. I'm just like, I ain't this is what time. I'm saying. Yeah, it's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. And knowledge is power, and it's like people do want free information, and I get that and I understand that. But at the end of the day, from from an educator's point of view, that's your livelihood. So it's like you got to get paid for your livelihood. Like, of Mm -hmm. course, I want to help people. But at the end of the day, I got bills too, you know. 
So I don't like it when people get upset when you start throwing out your rates and stuff like that mm-hmm. when it comes to coaching and education and stuff. But I'm just like, I had to pay for it. I'm fucking $100,000 in debt from school, like trying to get all this information and, you, and education. Are you even using your degree to the fullest potential at this point? Right. I mean, I do. Because my, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, look at what you're doing now. <laughs> right. I'm like, I but am. But you have to make those opportunities yourself. Right. And then and also, that's the, the degrees is bullshit. Well, the beat, the design, the fashion design one, I learned that. I did. I learned a lot in design school. It's mm-hmm. pattern making, draping, fabric, sketching, like yeah. across the board. But my master's is in fashion management and merchandising. Oh. I ain't learned jack shit. It, I knew everything before I got there, and I was fucking teaching those classes. And that's when I moved. That's why I moved here. I moved here when I was 25 to get my master's at LIM. And when I tell you and that, you're pro- a great school too for undergrad. Oh. Master's program? I think, you know what? Let me take that back. Did Let me not say that. Did Sunny go there? Sunny X Sunny, the shoe designer? Yeah. So I yes. think BFAs, I mean, the bachelor's and stuff like that is great for business. But on the master side, I don't think that it works if you already have a design background. Now, for people that's coming in to a master's program that's doing a complete career change, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Because my class, I was the only person who had a degree in design. Everybody else was like, journalism and marketing and it was a career change so for them this, they felt like they were learning everything they was learning everything and me I'm copying and pasting the projects from undergrad because I got the same damn computer yeah. and uploading that shit right on up to Blackboard and I didn't learn anything I taught like I literally they would reach out to me for help in class and I was always helping people with their the studies. educators huh even the educators, like, because I, I was always in there answering questions. I got real close to my product development teacher. I'd be in, like, Vince's house, hung out with him. Like, I damn near, like, was a little, little student aide. Because I used to help him with, the, like, grading projects and shit like that because I already knew all the information. Like, I used to go to his house. He lived, he's a, a white dude from London. Came up here years ago to design for Bill Cosby. Has so many stories in the 70s about Austin and Ralph Lauren. See, he used to hang the out stories. with them. Those are the stories that I want to hear. And I used to be in the house with him. Because I want to create that. Exactly. I used to be in the house with him. He used to tell me different shit. Even about Calvin Klein. He's like, let me tell you. And he used to tell me all this stuff. He was just a old, very old white oh, guy. And he was so cool. And I used to be like, the what? And you know, he he, he, I, he has so many stories. And then his, his lover passed away from, from AIDS and stuff like that. So he's by himself. So me and him used to be in the house. And like literally like going through the projects and stuff like that. I loved him. He was one of my favorite teachers. And I had two other teachers there. and But I already knew the information. So I didn't really need to be there. But I mean, I don't pay for the shit. Like, and now I'm in debt because of that too. <laughs> 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 and bastards got you in debt. And no one cares. Like, yeah, I got you don't. having it. Especially, I tell people all the time, like, you have to... And I don't care what people think. You got to lie on your resume. I'm sorry. You do. You have to lie. You You have to lie on your resume. And you got to be okay with just being able to speak their lingo. Because they're going to teach you what they want you to do anyway. That's the only way. I was was in the retail space for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was in retail management. I was a store manager at a Banana Republic. Pookie Sebastian. I worked at Saks. Mm -hmm. I worked at Seal. I worked at Aldo. Mm -hmm. And... When I moved here, I didn't want to be in retail. I wanted to be in you corporate fashion. Yeah, but every time I went to apply for corporate fashion, it's just, oh, well, you only got retail experience. Even though you got this de- this design degree, you only have retail experience. You have no corporate fashion experience. And this shit was getting on my nerves. And I'm just like, but how am I supposed to get some if one of my take a chance on me? An and then they was going too low with the money. I'm like, I have a bachelor's in master. You're not going to give me $10 an hour. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> I can go back to retail management for that. Yeah. Like, I got and real make, bills. And make 15 16 yeah. at that time. Exactly. And like, be, yeah. I got my first job at an outerwear company. And guess how I got the damn job? I, I called my mentor from high school. Mm. She was also my child development teacher. I asked her because she write me a recommendation letter 
so I can transfer and go to SCAD down in Atlanta because I don't like New York no more. Wow. I gotta go. I'm like, I want to get up out of here. I'm gonna go to Atlanta, go to SCAD, get my also. master's at SCAD. And she like, I think you're giving up on New York too fast. I got a cousin. He works in the garment district. I don't know exactly what he does, but he does fashion. I want you to go talk to him. First time she told me that, I'm like, yeah, okay. But when you gonna write these recommendation letters? Because <laughs> now I hate New York. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't like this shit. It's, it costs oh too much. Gosh. So I hit her up again. I'm like, hey, did you write it? She like, did you go talk to my cousin? I'm like, I'm going to go talk to oh him today. God. She so wasn't playing. She wasn't playing. I went to the garment district. He had a big old showroom. And it's a black man. Mm. Had a showroom on 36. And Eighth Avenue, he made handbags and he made outerwear. He still did. Yep. Oh, he don't. He not there anymore. He didn't move it over to Brooklyn, but he was there. This okay. was twenty like sixteen because I was okay, twenty five. Okay. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Went up there. He like honestly. Oh, we. Oh, we didn't say that. Yeah. Like, hey, he like, like yeah. I'm thirty. I'm thirty three. Look at me. I'm old. I'm thirty. I'm thirty one. Oh yeah. I'm like I'm thirty. Yeah. So okay. I I went up there and he's like to be honest, I don't really have. No money to pay you, but my cousin told me that you know, you know, that you need a job, and I just want to get your foot in the door because I know how hard it is for black people to get their foot in the door. He's like, I'm gonna give you a job. What we gonna do is we gonna make it seem like you've been working here the whole time. But I'm gonna give you a job. I only can afford you for a couple months. I only worked there for six months, but we put on my resume that I had been there three years. Because you already knew everything, though. Yeah. You already knew and he, everything. And everything I didn't know, he taught me. So we was doing manufacturing for bags and outerwear overseas and domestically. So I learned how to negotiate with factories domestic and overseas. I learned how to do tech packs. And we never did tech packs in school. We really mm -hmm. just did our patterns. Yeah. And that was pretty much and it. And I heard from yeah. a friend of mine, uh, they, they don't really do tech packs. You don't need them. But yeah. if you're going overseas, it's good to have them. But if you're doing domestically, you don't need a fucking tech pack. Because yeah. like nowadays, I don't if you, have the pattern, you don't need no tech yeah. pack. And people get that confused. I'm like, yeah, all you need is a pattern and mm -hmm. give them the fucking fabric. You don't need yeah. no damn tech pack. But I learned how to do sales. I learned how to do accounts receivable. I learned how to do compliance. Because you know when you start working with these stores You got to ship the shit the way they want to Like on certain hangers and certain plastic Things being flat pack, UPC So I learned how He pretty much taught me how to run the whole business And I stayed there for six months And then after that um, He was just like Okay now it's time to start looking start look for a job And I started looking for a job And I ended up working at this place called High Point Design and Hosiery Doing the same thing And that was my I foot in that company Because they right there They're that big ass building uh, Right in front of the big button That building is in front oh, of the, That building Oh okay okay okay, yeah. okay And what's Rock Rock Nation's in There's a whole lot of companies okay, in there okay. And that's how I got my first I got my first job through him And then after that We just I just continued But then once I realized That shit worked I was at High Point Design For six months And then and I went somewhere it. else And got a production associate And I was, went I think it was called Woodland Train I did dresses I was there for two months Went to G3 I was at G three <laughs> for three months and went somewhere else. And went somewhere else. Stacking went somewhere else and got and lied every time on the dates and stuff like that mm -hmm. and just and padded it. Ended up yeah. in the two year span went from being a production assistant to a production director making eighty thousand dollars a year. Just because I kept lying on my resume. So if y'all don't lie on these resumes, because it ain't that hard. It's not. <laughs> and they're gonna really cheat not. you. And I honestly just. It wasn't a lot of the school stuff that I needed for these jobs. They're teaching you, they do everything on the computers because think about all the places in the garment district, they're making shit in China. Yeah. They're making shit overseas. Yeah. All you got to do, they got the programs that automatically generate every fucking thing. All I had to do was enter like the little measurements or something and the fucking tech pack generates itself. Yeah. The design team makes the cast and stuff like that. I negotiate prices and delivery mm -hmm. and that's it. Like what I tell y'all is so So you simple. pretty much was doing what they do doing misguided right now. That's like it. that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And that's product development, that's production. And they, all, mm -hmm. they like to call it different names and shit. All that shit the is the same. same. It's all the same. And what's crazy about that, I, I pretty much do all of that without mm -hmm. even having a title. So mm -hmm. it's like, 
when when I set my price on my website for whatever product you see, that's what it is. Boom. Why? Because it's it's being made by me and mm -hmm. a small team of people. Yep. It's not like I'm out here getting everything whole produced, mm -hmm. mass produced. I'm not doing that. You're making everything by hand. Everything at this point for me, I'm looking at it as like this. We're living in a space now where nothing is sustainable. Mm -hmm. So if I continuously, or if we continuously, as an environment, continue to pour, 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 pour all of this fabric, and have you seen these landfills full of all this fast yeah, fashion bullshit? It is, it's you know. Have bullshit. you ever seen the True Cost? That's a it's a great documentary. I'll text the it to cost, you. True Cost, yeah. I'll text that to you. You'll enjoy that. that. Have you ever read Well Dressed? No. What about how luxury lost his luster? That sounds familiar. Well, you gonna like both of those? I'm okay. pretty sure it's similar so we to gotta those share. two. Yeah. So you know what's funny also because I have been on a documentary and book excursion right now in my life. Mm -hmm. um, like everything that's just connected to fashion, even down to its existence, back into our home place. Mm -hmm. And I have been reading books like the ISIS papers and. Uh, before Columbus came and all these different things to actually enhance my design aesthetic right. because when you really look at certain things especially at Dolce & Gabbana like a lot of that is all really now is that what that documentary uh, is about? The shockingly high cost and cheap value of yes, fast fashion yes, that's what that documentary is yes. I, I knew it I could tell in the name yeah. that book is the same thing yeah. and she do a whole synopsis of H&M Oh my God! So Wait, do they talk you? about in the book when the building collapsed, um, in um India and like over one hundred and seven people recently? died? No, that was years ago. I think so then, because like she went through a lot of Elizabeth Klein went through a lot of shit, and then luxury how it, luxury lost its luster. When I tell you she interviewed everybody from Louis Vuitton, the guy who owns now, Robert that and book, all, I want to read that one is very. When I tell you, we think mm -hmm. that we're paying. For these luxury goods we're not and it's so much shit that they changed now back in the day mm -hmm. back in the day when the brands first came about when Chanel was the time they it. were doing it but y'all got to keep in mind that a lot of these big CEO tycoons come in they cheapen the value of the product mm -hmm. they move the production over to China because it's just a monopoly to them think about LVMH group how many brands are under that group Celine is underneath that group. Fucking Louis Vuitton, Moet, yeah, it's so many things. Yeah. That's all they care about is the names. Uh -huh. The quality, they don't. So y'all out here glorifying these European brands but and it still shopping. Came from China. And, and still all it has to do, the product just has to sit in Italy for a day mm -hmm. for it to stay made in Italy. Or or the materials can be from Italy. Yes. So, I mean, if they get their leathers from there, then of course they, but they can't even. That's the crazy thing that I don't feel like that is accurate because it's a TFIPA regulation to not have the actual country of origin where the garment was actually made. That is against the fucking law, to be honest. But it's still but there's always loopholes, you there's know. Always a loophole, and that's why it's knockoffs all over New York City too. Mm -hmm. Because they get the they get through the loophole too. Mm -hmm. you Everybody know? gets and loophole. You could get some really good knockoffs in Queens. Yeah, you I've really heard. could. <laughs> like I've seen some shit. When I tell you, I've seen some shit that I never even thought. I had a boyfriend back in the day. He was trendy too. Oh, gosh. No shade. <laughs> Had me move up to the Bronx with him and everything. But he used to always buy fake shit. And that was like his thing. And to me, I thought it was a, a low self esteem kind of thing because it's just like you can't afford it, but you want to make people think that you can. So this is really not for you, this is for validation of others. Mm -hmm. And he, one time, I think he tried to, he bought me like a Gucci headband. 
I'm like, I'm not wearing that fake shit. I'm good. I make, I can make me a headband. I like, exactly. and it was the one when the crystal one first came out. You know, oh, the one with the cool studs one. on yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I really wanted that, I can go buy me a band. I can stick some fucking studs on it, okay? And keep it moving. And yeah. keep it moving. I'm good, sweetheart. That's not my thing. But you go right ahead. <laughs> you go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, at this point in time where fashion is going, it's going back into a space where it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what you were talking about on your Instagram when I was like, oh, we need to, I need to get you on a podcast and how you were talking about how the clothing like really tells a story and how oh, a lot of those things are like yes. missing now. So take me there. Okay, cool. Take me there. I want to be there <laughs> okay. because it's all about intention, like setting mm-hmm. that intention. Mm-hmm. Um, a girlfriend of mine, she always tells me just plain like this, Jerry, you didn't need to go to school. You didn't need to go to school because what you do now, they don't teach that in school. Mm-hmm. And they definitely don't teach integrity. They they don't teach integrity. They don't teach intention. They don't teach none of that. None of that. And when you when you put out work, it has to mean something. It has to come from a place. And that's why I'm doing so much reading, like mm-hmm. allowing literary elements to move through me, mm-hmm. as well as musical elements, understanding how sonically it makes me feel, mm-hmm. and allowing those things to to permeate into my work. And that's so important. You have to be in a space of what am I going to create? What am I going to constantly download into me to make sure that the work that I put out will be able to download into somebody else's motherboard? So it's, it's, it's all purpose. It's all purpose. It's all purpose-driven, purpose. and the work comes through purpose-driven. Yeah. So my first collection, it's called The Journey because, well, my not my first collection from when I first started. From now, me doing menswear and gender non-conform, gender non-conforming clothing. Is it started when you were 30? Yes, pretty yeah. much. That thirty yeah. is that new chapter, baby. Yeah, like <laughs> it's something. It's like something a yeah. fire or something that lights in your ass when you turn thirty. That you have a different perspective on life too, yeah. just because of what we transpired in our twenties. When you hit that thirty mark, mm-hmm. I feel like that's when my purpose hit too, because that's when I started all of these mm-hmm. different things. The podcast I started when I was going on 30 like my lc started when i was going on 30 i started solo traveling by myself i went to barbados by myself and merged what part myself. did you stay in i stayed in um bridgetown okay i went by I myself i went too. to st lucia by myself i took a mud bath and all these different things and yeah. to find purpose like exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about like purpose and intention and i think that's where i lead from from LC because yeah. like my programs and the things that I come out I'm like okay I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this it's because I'm like what do they need but I also ask questions but mm-hmm. I also like what did I need when yeah. I was going like when I was on the ride trying to be a designer like that but it all comes from mm-hmm. purpose and intention like how you're explaining yeah so actually I would say I was like what this was 2020 at the middle of the pandemic actually when mm-hmm. I when I dropped that first collection for men's and gender nonconformity um, a girlfriend of mine, uh, she she had told me, she called me, and she was like, yo, your women's wear is cool, but your men's wear, that shit is saying something. Mm-hmm. Run with that. Run with it. So she put the battery in my back, and I was just like, you know what? Let's use this panini right now <laughs> to get through this. Use what you already have. Make it a collection, and boom. That was that. Mm-hmm. I did a virtual launch. It was called The Journey. All of that was amazing because I was, at the time, probably one of the few people that did it where it was like an Instagram live, but it was Mm pre-recorded. That's when it first came out. Gotcha. And then after that, I saw everybody else doing it. I was like, why do I not have the following for everybody to see this already? Mm -hmm. But 
You know, it is what it is. You know do what you, you do. Do you use Instagram, like promotional ads at all? I do. You do? Okay. I do all of that, you okay. know. And after that, I did my second collection, which is Mofera Jerry Reed, which is in, in Yoruba, it means I want to have, I want to buy, I must have it, it must be mine. So, like, you know, it, it's one of those of like, I must have Jerry Reed, you mm-hmm. know, I, I gotta have it, I gotta buy it. Mm-hmm. And there's this song that Tiwa Savage sings called 4499, and she says it in there. So she's like, Mofera Versa, Mofera Versace, Mofera Buga, Mofera Bugatti. So I'm like, oh, I'm vibing to this in my house. And I'm like, <laughs> I gotta do the same thing for me too. Like, Mofera right. Jerry Reed, you gotta have this also. Like, this is the intention that I'm saying right now. Mofera. Yeah, Mofera Jerry Reed. So, like, with that moment. Mofera LC Okay. You, th- <laughs> <laughs> you see? But. It's really about how you use your words now and what you want to bring to life, you know? Mm-hmm. Because what you say has to lead with the intention in order for right. it to work and blossom the way it's supposed to. I love so that. now, after I did that, I was like, I, right. I had so many hiccups in the process of doing that second collection, mm-hmm. but I digressed from that. It was a beautiful experience because it allowed me to see how far I'm willing to go for my brand mm-hmm. and what I'm willing to put out into the universe. And then from there, I dropped this collection that I have now, which is called Be Made Whole. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really talking about the things that make me whole. My spirituality, my my queerness, my blackness, my family, my friends. And I did a mini mini short film um, about it, just expressing. And I I really asked quite a few people to just drop some voices in there for me. Mm -hmm. And I just asked them, please send me a voice note of you telling me the things that make you whole. And the thing about it was, those are the things that made me whole too, Mm -hmm. to hear that they're whole. I love that. So with you telling me that you're whole, I'm whole also. And people don't understand that that's how you give back to one another. That's what reciprocity looks like. When you pour, you pour back. Yeah, that reciprocity. Because now that it's out into the universe, their voices, their sound bites are now out there Mm -hmm. as like spell work in a sense of everybody knowing yo, this dude right here, he wants this so bad. Mm -hmm. I'm in a space where I am eating, sleeping, and breathing this. Mm -hmm. Like, even down to my nonprofit, I have to eat, breathe, Breathe and and sleep sleep this. So, before we get out of here, I want to go. It's funny that you said that because this freaking segues right into the end, too. Oh, okay, okay. So, the black note from this week that I got or whatever it's from a a brand that is making um i read it briefly but i was just like okay i'm gonna ask I'm you to give them some advice so it was anonymous um so okay. the black note series is just people sending like advice or like they have you know scenarios that they want to talk about okay so the black note um pretty much what i got from it is a brand mm-hmm. it is a uh a it's two women okay. who are making the brand and they are um lgbt Okay. But they are feminine. Okay. And then their wives are masculine. Okay. And they're making swimwear to be for both of them. Okay. Now, the issue is when they started to develop these pieces and stuff like that, they made like a, I think, a, a two piece set and like a, um, a one piece. And then they made like, um, a sports bra and like kind of short combinations like that. And the issue was that, they couldn't decide because it's four, so it's two wide, it's four women, you know, okay. two masculine, two feminine, and the feminine ones want the swimsuits to be 
like cheeky mm-hmm. and they want more breast outwears. Like the masculine was like, we wouldn't wear that. So their issue was in the note was how do we make clothing that is gender neutral when we still have slightly agenda she's like because i'm feminine i want my my breast mm-hmm. out and i want my butt out but my wife is not my wife wants a tank top she want to hide her breast she wants longer shorts so how do you go about making gender neutral clothing when you still have a certain identity about yourself and so i think that because they're new designers and mm-hmm. this is something that's new for them that this is something that has been challenging trying to figure out well where what's the fine line with the way and how I distribute my pieces and how to also do I get people to purchase from me if I'm not making the clothes really gender neutral because now I'm making pieces that are strictly feminine and I'm making other pieces that are masculine. So how do I guess the question their question was how do we be inclusive and be gender neutral without being too masculine and too feminine? Mm. So the first thing I would say is the reason why they're stuck is because they keep asking how. Okay. So when you keep asking how, 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 you're not going to get an answer. It's always going to be like, if we do this, then maybe, no. What do you want to convey? You already know that it is gender non-conforming clothing. It's four of y'all, two and two. Even with y'all brand name, it should resonate with that two and two already. I'll tell you what the brand name is. I I know what the brand name is, but they want to go offline. But I'll tell you what it is. Yeah, later. You know, um, the other thing I would say is, there is a happy medium in that y'all can put so much into that pot and be okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wear what is not for you. But if you sell it, it will sell. You know, put it out there. I think they were trying to figure out both. too. You I, can have both. And this is one of my clients at this price when they sent the black note, I'm like, you I know who I knew who it was. When yeah. I sent when I see the note, I'm like, you can't you can't black know me. I won't say your name yeah. on air, but I know who they are, so I know exactly what their situation is. Yeah, there's nothing wrong to be quite frank. They want to know how to market it though. Like, do how do we? What type? Who do we put it in? And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's, yeah, that's so easy though. <laughs> that is so easy. If you see how every brand like that is filled with notoriety, notoriety at this point mm-hmm. is putting um, women in those male pieces and and males, males in those women. female pieces. Both. It, so the answer yeah, is both. Both. Just do both. Just yeah. do it all. I think the real synopsis should be. Create a resort line. Create a resort line that caters to everybody in your demographic. Because then nobody's left behind. And with resort wear, people travel every day. Right. People are traveling I kind of swayed them towards that or whatever. Not and not just being a swimwear, but being more resort driven. Because they were all, and increasing, they all were in the military and they all were stationed in Hawaii for a long time. That is the best place to go back to for them to do the resort wear. Exactly. Your whole photo shoots, your sets, everything. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's lit, right? Like, that that's easy. All that's right. So before we leave, mm-hmm. the last segment is called It's a Muse. And I already know you got one. So this is where you share a book, a mantra, a reading, anything that continues to keep you motivated and that you will want to share with someone else to inspire them. It could be more than one. It could be a book, a mantra, and an affirmation. It could be a ritual, mm-hmm. um, wh- whatever it is. If it's a morning ritual, a nightly ritual, anything like that, that just continues to just keep propelling you forward. Ooh, there's quite a few of them, but I'm going to start here. Whatever you went through yesterday, when you go to bed and you wake up the next day, do not hold on to that. Do not hold on to that. Be thankful that you are in the land of the living and continue to dream bigger than you could ever imagine. 
if your dreams are not scaring you, my dreams scare me. They ain't big enough. My dreams are scaring me because that's how big I'm dreaming. I am willing to drown for my dreams. I am willing to put everything on the line, whether it's people, whether it's friends, whatever. I am willing to make sure my things come to fruition because this is not just for me. This is a community thing. This is a family thing. This is origin. Legacy. This is my birthright. Mm -hmm. This is what has been owed to me from the day that I came into this world. And I'm going to work. And I want you to work too. Don't stop. A word? Don't stop. Don't stop. Let me tell you something. You're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to not go to the club that week. You're going to have to not go get, get them sneakers that week, that jacket, that meal, that date, that hangout with your homegirl next door to you. You're going to have to sacrifice it. I'm at a point right now where people don't even know if they should be texting me to go out anywhere. That's how much <laughs> sacrificing I have been making. When they come into my presence, it's almost as if, bro, I don't know if I should be working or if I should be having a good time. Because being around you, I don't know. I don't know if I could cut it. And allow those people to cut themselves off. You don't have to do it. They'll cut themselves off. Go for what you believe in. Trust me. Trust me. You're going to eat better than anybody you could think of if you go ahead and push yourself to the limit. I've cried so many nights. I've had sleepless nights. I've had moments where I don't know how X is going to pay for Z, mm -hmm. but I know why I'm about to do what I'm about to do. Yeah. So I say that by saying, follow your gut. What's for you is for you. Yeah. That's that. That's on P. I love that. Thank you yeah. so much, Jerry, for joining me today. And you could just throw out like your social media, whether oh, it's TikTok, sure. Instagram, and then we're gonna put in the show notes as well. Yeah, but yeah, where's yeah. the best way to follow you, shop with you, keep in contact with you? Boom. So shopping with me is jerryreed.com. That is J-E-R-R-I-R-E-I-D.com. The bucket hat that I have on, if you're watching on YouTube, is Jerry Reed. The tie-dye shirt that I have on is made by Jerry Reed, handmade. This um, this jumpsuit, this snakeskin jumpsuit is by Jerry Reed. The jacket behind me is Jerry Reed. Yes. I'm coming through as Jerry Reed. The earring in my ear is Jerry Reed. Everything I'm wearing is Jerry Reed. Mm -hmm. Hey, now. Mm -hmm. Be your brand, wear your brand. Exactly. And Follow I'm... me on Instagram, Twitter, everything. You think of it, I got it. J E R R I R E I D. Thank you so much. Thank this was an amazing you. conversation. Yes. I enjoy having, as I always say, stay black. Peace out. Peace. Stay black. <laughs>